You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, developing smart solar software you can trust for homes, businesses and solar retailers right here in Australia. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy. One step off the grid and the EV focus the driven and joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, how are you this fine week? Giles, I'm terrific. Thanks. Uh, hello to the listeners. Uh, I know we've got some new listeners. We've got some old listeners. I know uh, Dad's forced Mum to listen uh, to stay in touch. <laughs> We're sorry, Mum. <laughs> sorry, Pam. She hates it. She doesn't understand. I don't understand what you're talking about. But Dad really likes it. He does it while he's at the gym. So uh, hello to all the listeners. Absolutely. Now we've got some nice emails actually in the last couple of weeks from both our podcasts and uh, people just sort of saying, oh, look, you know, now I've got something to listen to and I'm driving here, or I'm doing the gardening, or I'm doing the washing up. I mean, it's 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 it's. It's very gratifying to hear that. I'm, I'm glad Look you're at enjoying us. it. 2021. We're off with a bang, Giles. We're off with a bang. Well, we are off with a bang. I guess we should start off with the um, actual basic stat. Look, there's a lot to talk about as normal, but um, yes. the good news is the stats. I think um, Warwick Johnson from Sunwiz, one of this podcast sponsors, by the way, um, 249 megawatts in January, down from December, of course, because people were trying to take a holiday in January. I don't know how many people actually succeeded in doing so, but that's up 23% on last year's record year. So that's a pretty good start to the year by any stretch of the imagination, Nigel. I, I couldn't agree more, mate. And, uh, you know, everyone in resi land who we're talking to has had, um, had pretty good success. And I think Warwick's data even showed that the small and medium commercial rooftop sector uh, was reasonably strong. Talking to a couple of commercial guys, it's still very tough in, in the sort of larger scale space. And uh, we'll, we'll touch on a couple of topics around that later on. But certainly uh, at a residential level, um, all of us working from home type people these days, um, we all want more solar on our roofs. Look, and some people are making a bit of an effort to actually make sure that happens. Look, two interesting things that um, come to mind. Um, one is the Combank Green Lane, which um, you've mentioned in our notes. But before, I'm going to get in with another one, which is South Australian Government. Um, they've actually offered to uh, low-income households um, to swap their uh, income assistance um, for a free rooftop system. So these people would get, um, this is from state government assistance, might get about $400, $450 a year for various things, sort of, you know, uh, rent assistance and that sort of stuff. And they're saying, well, look, rather than getting that, we'll give you a free solar system. And wow. that's going to cut the bill down by, say, um, $800 to $1,000. So you'll be ahead. And that's good for us. That's kind of a pretty innovative way of going about things. I have to hand it to the South Australians. They don't mind thinking outside the box, do they? You know, the city of churches, I lived there for a long time. And, you know, the, the, the catchphrase I always have for Adelaide is Adelaide or South Australia, comfortably the same. Comfortably uh, the same, yes. Because nothing really seems to change. But I tell you, there's some clever people down there doing... I've just bagged out all my South Australian friends. Sorry, friends. But, um, no, they're, they're actually doing some really cool stuff down there. And this, you know, this... Just shows, you know, this this race isn't run. There are still many, many interesting ways to help people with all the benefits of solar. So, um, you know, good on, well, good on those crow eaters. 
Well, exactly. And if you actually think it, think of it in the context that South Australia already has a huge amount of rooftop solar in its grid, I think um, it was established that there's 60% renewable energy over the last 12 months, which is a record, and 19% of that came from um, rooftop solar. So they've got an awful lot. So now they're looking for ways to add even more. So that's great. Um, yep. By the way, City of Churches, how many of those did you grace? I know it's a very personal question, but... <laughs> He's not going to answer it. I grew grew up with a lot of Italians, so there was a lot of baptisms, there was a lot of weddings. So I've I've seen a few churches. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. I think that's reassuring. Um, Talking about another church, um, the banks, um, the Commonwealth Bank. (laughs) Indeed. Combank. Tell us more, Nigel. Well, I think this is really interesting, not because it's not the first green loan we've seen, it's not... Um, the first time we've seen a product designed specifically targeted at the solar sector or the energy efficiency sector. But what actually really got me about this was a statement by, uh, who was it? Angus Sullivan, uh, their retail group executive, who said that, um, you know, most customers shifting solar would see their energy bills drop by more than $500 a year. But the, here's the here's the nub of it, right? helping to offset total loan repayments in the long term. It's a positive impact in terms of their borrower serviceability. Giles, I think it's probably close to 15 or 20 years ago that I started talking about this very issue, that solar was such a great investment from a financial point of view because by lowering your household costs, you improved your ability by saving money to service a loan. So I didn't understand why the banks weren't rushing into it. And here we are 15, 20 years later. And finally, it's in writing now from um, one of the biggest banks in the country um, that they recognise that. So that's a really nice milestone for me that the banks are suddenly waking up to this fact that, you know, it improves your ability to pay a loan off so they get less bad debts they support people putting solar on. So, you know, um, it's early days uh, for the Combank Green Loan. Very, very low rate, you know, 0.99% fixed, extended rate uh, terms and up to 20 grand and all that. It's a really nice looking product on the service of it. It's just been launched through in pilot phase, I believe. And uh, uh, they've got some pretty strict requirements. You need to use an approved solar retailer to be eligible, interestingly, which and we'll touch on approved solar retailer program later on. Um, but great to see a bank acknowledging the benefits. And praise be, we've now got a, loan, uh, a name for it, borrower serviceability. So um, you can sleep You can sleep well tonight, Nigel. Yes. If I look myself up on the borrower serviceability index, I should be there. I think up there, somewhere there in the cloud. There too. Oh, I there doubt too. that very much. I'm not too sure. <laughs> I'm not too sure. Mate, um, there's an event coming soon. Real people will be meeting actual other people. What's happening? Real people. I Look, huge shout out. I do this every year. Um, well, it didn't happen last year. Um, uh, actually, did it? Yes. I think we just got away with it last year. Uh, no, we didn't, actually. We didn't. So, uh, first real person-to-person event for New South Wales in, you know, far too long to remember, SIA, the Solar Energy Industries Association, holding its annual installer event. It's always at the same venue, the St George Rowing Club, which is a great little spot. Um, It's only 30 days away. Uh, March the 26th has been booked in. Um, 
the sponsor of uh, one of the sponsors of this uh, terrific podcast actually is uh, the prime sponsor of this event because we love supporting installers and supporting industry. So I've thrown my hat in the ring and said, yep, we'll cough up some some bucks to make sure the event goes well. Um, it's a great grassroots event and, you know, the opportunity to, I'm just going to try and hug everyone, Giles. I'm going to hug everyone. I'm saying it right now. Everyone gets a hug. I think you're supposed to be fist bumping still. Yeah, I'll... Uh, Elbow bumping. I'll... Something. Something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so... Well, if I'm you're going to so give everyone a hug, have a shave, have a shave. I'll, I'll have a shave. I'll, I'll sterilise myself head to toe or something. But uh, I'm so looking forward to seeing people face to face. It's one of the most challenging bits of the last year or so. So get along if you can. Limited spots because, of course, the numbers are limited. I think there's about 90 spots altogether. So if you want to go, book now. Well, I would book too, but I'm actually going to be on my way down to Canberra for my mum's 92nd birthday celebration. Oh, so um, that's going to be a, that's that, that's even bigger than Sierra, I'm afraid. Um, Mrs. So, Parkinson. Um, Mrs. Parkinson. Bless her. Bless I should her. try and get her on the podcast too, or at least to listen to it. But um, you should you know. interview her while you're there and say, you know, why haven't you got solar, mum? What do you think about the podcast, <laughs> mum? Are you listening to every episode? Nigel's mum listens. <laughs> and everybody else's. Uh, we're going to take a break and get a message from one of our sponsors. Planergy is an Australian-founded enterprise providing innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Planergy's innovative approach and engineering expertise gives them a unique edge to create the right base framework for all solar applications. Their range of high-quality products and services include PV mounting, ground mounting products, and solutions for residential, commercial and utility-scale projects. Visit clenergy.com.au and find the right framework for your solar application. And thanks, of course, to all our sponsors, Solar Analytics, Clenergy um, and Sunwiz for their ongoing support for this um, cheerful little podcast. Um, can my... I get, Actually, can I just give a shout-out to Warwick from Sunwiz? Because, you know, I see his data coming through and... Years and years and years crunching all those numbers. Uh, just really, it's so valuable what he does. And uh, just a huge shout out to him for all his hard work. I know he's batting away down there, running a business, being a dad, all those kinds of good things. But he just keeps pumping those numbers out, mate. And it's so important when you're in this industry to be able to try and get a read on what's happening and what's going to happen. Um, you know, buy some of his services, do some of his things. And while you're there, Drop into Clenergy and get some racking. <laughs> there you go. We don't need to do any more ads. We've got no job to do it for us. No, no. But that exactly right. I mean, um, yeah, and the sort of um, Warwick is uh, one of the rocks of the industry. Um, and yeah, good um, job, Warwick. We should, we should support him. Yeah, look, just sort of flipping over to some of the darker aspects of our industry um, before mm. we get on to some more cheerful news. Now, you look, you've got a couple of things lined up here. I just want to throw in something else just from a bit of a curveball here. Um, we've written a couple of stories about this. Now, this is... This is um, this is pretty serious, actually. This is a big project up in Queensland, the um, Gangari Solar Farm. It's 120 megawatts. It's the first solar farm to be built in Australia by Shell. And about 10 days ago, um, work stopped because 230 casual workers were told at, by text at 6 o'clock in the morning, um, you're no longer needed to get your stuff and get out of here. 
and um, so that's brought the whole project to a halt. It's already running really, really late, um, six months late as far as I can work out. But look, this is another battle between contractors, between EPC contractors and subcontractors, and then you've got your sort of hire firms and things like that. Um, look, you know, to um, close your ears, everyone, I'm going to swear, it's an absolute shit fight. And... Um, the big industry, uh, some individuals, some family businesses, but most importantly, um, the solar industry as well. I've been talking to a couple of other big project developers um, and um, and contractors who talk about sort of other things which have happened in New South Wales and Victoria. And he says, if you go to some places in Victoria, you drive past their solar farm and you go into town and you say, what a great thing to see a solar farm out there, you'll not get a good reception because their experience has been wow. so bad it's really? been like the hotel guy hasn't been paid. Like well, contractors are sort of out of money. There's this happened, there's that happened. All these promises of sort of benefits and things, and it's bad. And it's, I'm just wondering whether it's a reason why we're starting to see in a lot of the large scale solar applications um, a lot of pushback um, from councils and communities, and they're coming up with all sorts of different reasons, saying don't like the look of them. There's glare. There's road usage and. Um, you know, it's using agriculture, using you know mm. uh, fields mm. which could be used for agriculture and stuff like that. But mm. I think the solar industry—I don't know what the solution is because um, it's people coming in. It's that price competition. It's the sort of the cowboy behaviour. Super aggressive, yeah. Super aggressive. The unions put out something now. Look, they have an agenda, but they put out something last week about saying, you know, the solar industry is looking like a cowboy industry. And yep. as we've been saying over and over again in this podcast, 95% of the people are not. They're really good people, but there's a few that are. And in these situations like this, they're doing a really disservice to the industry. I, you, you're right on the money. And I've got an old mate. I won't mention his name, but I've got an old mate actually who has been, um, he's like the guy who turns the dial up and down on a lot of these solar plants, right? He's the mm. guy. He's the guy, he's the man on the ground and he has to find staff to go there and man them and, uh, to, you know, well, he doesn't turn the dials up. He rings someone and says, turn the knob up or turn the knob down, you know, put more power out or put more power down once they're up and commissioned and he helps with the commissioning process and all that. And he's been involved in this for many, many years. He's a genuine solar pioneer, great guy. And he was telling me a story about how he's on so many projects at the moment that during winter in the ACT, the hotel was so crap and actually the same hotel that he was being accommodated in was also a COVID um, kind of um, place. Um, so there were lots of people coming in on planes who had COVID who were being put up there and he went, bugger this. Uh, it's a horrible hotel. I'm going to go and sleep in the donger at the plant. And he slept through winter in this donger having cold showers while he was keeping this multi-megawatt plant running. And yet you got to ask yourself between that and what he was explaining to me was nights, the guts has been cut out of it. It's so competitive. Everyone's so desperate to make these plants work. And there's so much pressure and there's so much, you know, the rules are changing. We've talked about that. We've had union issues. We've talked about that. We've got these kinds of games that we're seeing in Queensland now. It really is a very, very tough place to play. And um, story after story after story. So, you know, I think um, it doesn't seem like it's at a sustainable level at this point in time when it's that fragile, right? 
Yeah. Look, I'm just going to read something out, actually, because I got a letter. It was passed on by, I don't know whether it was a family member or a friend. It's an anonymous email from a guy that just returned a couple of years ago to the industry in Australia. Um, he'd been around the world. He came back, got a good job in the solar industry, and this is what he wrote. I'm unfortunately writing this from one of the small country towns in Queensland. The company I work for is not a faceless organisation. It is a family-owned business who for many years have been having a red-hot crack, embodying the Australian spirit and bringing as many small Australian businesses with them as they can. Well, that Australian spirit has been drained from me and many of my co-workers as we watch the owner of this company become a shell of who he used to be. Little by little, these companies have robbed the inspiration and passion from this man until he cannot go on any longer. A company he and his family have worked so hard to grow, gone. Gone because certain individuals have decided they do not have to pay anyone. What is crazy about this is that we are not the only ones that are doing this too. Several of their projects are in turmoil right now with contractors trying to get paid for the works completed. The only word that describes this situation is criminal. It's a longer letter, has a lot more in there, but... Um, wow. There's, um, there's, um, there's some shit going down, Nigel, and it's not good. There is some shit going down. You're right, Giles. And I think it's, uh, the, you know, the large-scale industry, whilst, you know, I understand that they've had to fight really hard uh, and do everything they can to drive costs down to make coal, uh, solar um, competitive in the market, um, we're, we're clearly, and we've heard, you know, two or three, three anecdotes today which are uh, based on evidence where um, we've gone, we've gone beyond a point. We need to come back. We've got to swing the dial back a bit and give these businesses and the people involved a chance to do this properly and earn a decent wage, and you know, not have cold showers in winter. Well, that's exactly right. Now, look, um, on on the better news, um, one company that's been up to no good has been brought to heel by the regulator and um, given a kick up the bum. Indeed, federal court, no less. Um, I'm going to name them because they've they've gone now and they were, you know, uh, found to have really severely breached consumer protection laws on numerous occasions, dodgy door-to-door sales tactics, uh, false claims of endorsement. The company even went as far as calling themselves Vic Solar, which was very, very closely aligned and easily confused with the Vic Solar rebate scheme, which was a, clearly a deliberate tactic. I actually read through the court documents that was kindly sent to me by um, someone who was involved in the trial. And um, yeah, it was just a horrendous example of really, really dodgy practice. So good on everyone involved in that and the federal court in uh, prosecuting that case. We don't need people like that in our industry. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And good to see that they have been booted out. Now, look, on a different note, DCI isolators, they've come into the news recently. We've seen a few reports about, you know, all this fire risks and stuff like that. But um, mm-hmm. there's some good news on the side of this. There is some good news. And, and it was on, I was on a call with, uh, on a, um, I sit on a number of industry panels and I was on a call this afternoon and the topic came up again. And I wrote a, a blog story the other day that you'll see in a few days, I'm sure, Giles, um, which um, talks about it from a statistics point of view. But one of the interesting things um, is that, you know, this is where performance monitoring, uh, unique to Solar Analytics, one of the sponsors of this podcast, I might add, um, but performance monitoring uh, actually helped find a faulty rooftop isolator for one of our installers. Um, the big difference, of course, is that, you know, most most monitoring systems will tell you if the system's off or if there's a major fault. This system wasn't off. The inverter was operational. Um, it was producing power. And so all the green lights were on. But what we noticed was um, that the performance was down. 
the actual output compared to the predicted output did not match what we were expecting. And that sort of triggered an alert for the installer. And he went out and lo and behold, when he got there, he literally got there and found a smoldering, arcing, smoking rooftop isolator up on the roof. And uh, bless him, he took attention, uh, took notice of the alert, got out there quickly and averted a disaster. So it shows really the value of some of the more sophisticated monitoring, particularly around performance monitoring and how it can actually avoid catastrophe um, uh, from time to time. So there you go. The mute button there, Giles, it's the big one. Oh, thank you, Nigel. <laughs> you can tell, you, you can, can tell, can't I you? I can tell you were on a roll. You were going, blah, 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 blah. I was halfway through the next item. Right. <laughs> I was wondering why you weren't responding appropriately. Um, <laughs> you better tell me about roof construction standards, Nigel. <laughs> well, now this is hot off the presses, actually. I had a really, really interesting call today um, from someone who shall remain unnamed today, but a great guy in the industry. Um, he highlighted to me that Australian roof construction standards have actually allowed, particularly in the large-scale sector, roofs have got weaker and flimsier and lighter and can just hold, as he said to me, the standards today allow an installer to actually um, allow a good builder to build a real, what did he say? A really nice brown paper bag that could meet the standards. <laughs> well, that'd be useful. <laughs> really useful, really useful, as long as you don't touch it, right? And the challenge that we have now is what we're seeing, particularly for the sort of medium and larger scale rooftop guys, they can't put any roof, any any weight on the roof. There is just no headway at all. And mm. what what has happened is the standards have got tighter and tighter and tighter to drive costs down, drive construction costs down. That's all well and good, but what's happened is there's just no leeway, and that is now becoming a blocker. I actually saw, and and I talked to him about this, but um. I actually store a statement and it was public. So I'm going to mention Metricon Homes, who actually um, were quoted in a, in a, a consumer had uh, asked about putting a solar system on a Metricon home. And uh, Metricon Homes had sent a letter saying, no, the building isn't designed to withstand any additional weight whatsoever. It would not handle the weight of, you know, 20 solar panels or whatever it was on the roof. You'd void your warranty. And so you can't put solar on our home. What the hell? Dead set. Dead set. So... What's really interesting about this is we're seeing the standards sort of erode any leeway in the strength of roofs. And, and, and so what is starting to happen now is a very, very influential group of not only solar people, but also building industry people are about to get on a very big bandwagon to try and influence the standards uh, organisations and various other entities around the traps to challenge this. Um, and um, uh, I'm getting involved because I think it's a great cause. I think we want all want to see more solar out there. Uh, he made a great point. My friend made a great point that, you know, someone said to him, oh, but, you know, if we beefed up the roofs by X percent to handle the weight of solar, that would cost X dollars per square metre. And my good friend and colleague very quickly did a calculation in his head. Well, guess what? The value of solar on that roof exceeds the cost savings, right? So you're actually negatively impacting that building owner because I could have saved them more 
than the extra cost of having that roof just a little bit stronger to handle the wind loading. So I think it's a really, really interesting story. I think it's a really think interesting it's a, case. I think it's a really interesting case because we knew that this was happening in industrial um, settings, in, in sort of warehouses and things like that. Oh, for, yeah. prob probably for valid reasons, like that's a lot yeah. of roofing with not much underneath it. And that's one of the reasons why Jung Long Shi um, launched his new sort of lightweight solar panel, the arch um, or whatever it is to sort of address that thing. Yep. But the yep. idea of having houses which aren't even strong enough to have half a dozen panels on the roof, that's just ridiculous. And I, I have to say things like only in Australia, you know, it's just, just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true, and there's a there's a lot of intricacies around it, and no doubt some good in the good intentions. Um, uh, but yeah, look, I, I'm going to invite everyone right now. If you're interested in getting involved in this issue, just contact me. You can do it through um, the website, through Giles's website. Uh, we're putting together a little pack of information and are going to start pushing on this issue yeah. very soon because I think it's a really important one. Well, I mean, um, solar, rooftop solar should be mandatory on new buildings and homes, um, yeah. in my point of view. And we should just be making sure that the roofs are strong enough to to, to hold them. Um, That's right. I wonder, oh if, I wonder if Metricon, Metricon Homes might contact us as well. Maybe they'd like to get involved. We can work with them as well after we Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mate, um, ASR suspensions and cancellations, um, and things just disappeared from me. Um, what's going on? <laughs> I've got it in front. I've of hit me. the wrong button. I've got. I've hit the wrong button. <laughs> the ASR, the the approved solar retailer program. Now, um, um, full disclosure, I am a member uh, on. I sit on the committee of the ASR panel. I've been on and off the panel over its uh, seven year life now. Uh, I withdrew when I had a conflict of interest because I was a retailer. And uh, now that I don't have a conflict of interest, I'm back on there and I participate in regular meetings. One of the great things about the ASR that I have always argued is that whilst we have an accreditation program for installers, we've never had a program that holds retailers to account. We need to hold retailers to account for bad behavior, for breaching good practice, for you know, not protecting consumers in the right way or not behaving the right way. And that's where the ASR was born. It is imperfect. I've said that many, many times before, um, but it, it is one of the best programs um, around the world, in fact, for uh, helping to put standards around retail behavior in the solar space. Um, and it is, I mean, in seven years, it's gone from zero to now 1,125 companies approved. And that's out of a total of about ballpark, maybe 4,000 companies. So, you know, somewhere in the order of about a quarter of all solar companies in the country now are approved solar retailers, which tells you something. Uh, secondly, what's really interesting is they now have stats that show that even though it's only a quarter of all the companies, it's actually almost half, 48% of all the solar that was installed in 2020 was installed by approved solar retailers. So they're overrepresented uh, in terms of the volume that they do, which is terrific news. I think it's also really interesting to note that um, 376 companies were rejected. So they are running, um, you know, a pretty high ratio of rejections to approvals. That, that, that's really interesting. On, on what basis are they rejected? Uh, because someone said, look at their work and thought it's not up to scratch. Yeah, they, there's an approval process that they have to go through. They have to show the documentation. They have to show their processes. They have to show how they're going to control their sales staff. They have to explain how they're going to uh, document various different things. And if you can't do that, you won't get through. Um, it's 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 a it's not a 
I mean, it's not a super high bar, but it's a fairly high bar. It needs to be a fairly high bar um, to make sure that the companies get through. And it, and it doesn't mean that everyone who gets through is perfect. There are some companies in there who, you know, you know, yeah, there are some companies in there that are clearly, you know, worked out how to get through. Um, but they are being held to account. And, and, and that's the critical issue, right? Number one, 376 companies were rejected. Uh, number two, three companies had their ASR status suspended just in the last quarter of, of 2020. Uh, there's a current suspension as well. And what, what this really shows, and I deal with this issue on, on socials regularly, is, oh, you know, this retailer did the wrong thing. What can I do about it? And apart from trying to take them to, you know, fair trading or take them to court or something like that, there's really not a lot you can do. They can keep trading. They can keep doing what they're doing unless they're in ASR, because if they're in ASR and they're shown to have breached the regulations and the rules that apply as, a, as an approved solar retailer, then their status can be taken away from them. It can be cancelled. They can be um, uh, notified of breaches. Uh, there are all sorts of things. But the critical thing is when you look through the list of all these breaches, the majority of the work, Giles, the majority of the companies that have made a breach have actually redeemed themselves. And that is the most wonderful thing about this whole program. It's not about slapping people and putting people out of business. It's about saying, we have the best set of guidelines that we could come up with as an industry group. We want to hold you to account for them. If you don't hold them, if you, if we, if you don't comply with them, we will work with you so that you modify your business practices so that you are now showing that you can comply with them and we will check them and we will audit you and we will make sure that we're holding you to account. And so the fact that so many businesses have been, you know, called out and told, look, you're in breach, but have now recovered and come back and set new practices in place. That's the biggest win of all, because what that shows is that we're helping businesses to improve their processes and behavior. So, you know, I just want to give another shout out. Um, I know not everyone loves the OSR program, but uh, I want to have a, a big shout out to all the people who work so hard behind the scenes, Mez and Mindy and, and, and all the other people on the panel who work really, really hard. We had one guy um, who's actually pulled himself off the panel because he's got another job and he's not going to allow uh, be allowed to, to be there anymore. But he's been there seven years, voluntarily, not getting paid. He's there just talking every month. Let's have a talk. Let's work through these issues. Let's improve the standards. Let's work our way through it. So, you know, it's not perfect, but it is a really, really good thing. And it is helping to improve the standards of retail solar companies in this country. And that should be celebrated. That's pretty good, Nigel. Well done. Uh, congratulations to you and to all the others involved in that system. That sounds pretty good to me. I mean, it may be imperfect, as you say, but um, it's uh, overall a good thing. I think and, so. Um, oh, no, absolutely. Look, and um, just to let um, you and listeners know, I actually put my mute button on and off about four times during that little <laughs> chat. I'm, I was just waiting just, just to prove that I, I know how to do it. Um, I'm pretty, pretty happy with myself, actually. Um, look, I just 
just before we go on to electric vehicle news, um, I just don't want to do, I want to come up with this really interesting headline and people shouldn't actually adjust their um, TV sets or their audio sets or whatever it is. Over in WA, something really weird has happened. Labor is the Ooh. current government now and it's going to an election and the Liberals have come out with a plan to go to zero emissions in the grid by 2030 and Labor have come out with a response saying that's too expensive, it's too fast and it's too costly. So um, over in wow. WA, apparently now, where you go across the Nullarbor, you also go through the looking glass and um, upside down <laughs> and back to front. And um, it's all pretty weird. But look, that is if weird, the Liberals in WA can do it, and if you've got South Australia with their rooftop solar and their 100% renewables target by 2030, not to mention their 500% renewables target by 2050, export all green hydrogen and things like that, and the Tasmanians, and of course, Matt Keenan in New South Wales. Gosh, what would it take for that? All that goodness and, 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 and stuff to filter up to the top and um, to the federal level. But um, there you go. There you go. Speaking of which, electric vehicles. Now, I can't remember whether we discussed this last time, but Angus Taylor came out with this um, his uh, future fuels strategy, which someone has actually come up with. The um, Its acronym is FFS, and other people know what FFS means. <laughs> and um, this policy is kind of exactly like that i mean like the world the world is going to electric vehicles even jaguar came out today and said we're going to be all electric by 2025 and land rover is going to be all 2025 jaguars jaguars that's four years and land rover is going to come out with their first electric land rover um so all those well i'm not going to call them that but going around their range rovers around here they can be electric in three years um and they'll be fully electric in by 2030 and um but australia no 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 we're going to go right. with a fax machine we're going to go with a fax machine on wheels we're going to go hybrids because that's kind of um anyway look i've actually done two videos in the last two weeks i've started um doing these things i just had a crack at angus taylor over this ridiculous policy ffs and i've also had another crack today just pointing out i'm actually standing in front of an mg electric vehicle which i've um just got the use of for for a week just driving around to see how it goes it's the cheapest electric vehicle in Australia, and it basically says, don't be afraid. They're actually really good. They're going to improve your weekend. And guess what? They're actually going to cut emissions, even in a coal-powered grid. So have a look at that video anyway. So, um, you know. Um, you know, the boss they... said to me today, Nigel, I want you to start thinking about EVs again, uh, incredibly. Uh, he said, I know you, you know, lay in bed at night thinking about your electric motorbike, and don't get me started on that. But... Uh, uh, he said, I want you to think about this because I have a feeling, and he's pretty good. And you'll borrow a serviceability, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Look, anyway. it's early days, early technology, no doubt at all, especially for motorcyclists. But he said, I have a feeling uh, that in the next six to 12 months, we are going to suddenly see an absolute avalanche of, of change around the electric vehicle space, despite it's like solar. 10 years ago, right? Despite what the incumbent um, FFS uh, department thinks <laughs> that we should be doing. Um, uh, despite all of that, we are going to see some really, really big changes. There's a whole lot of new vehicles coming soon. And um, so, yeah, well, I get to play in that space a bit more. So, you know, you should bring that in. Absolutely. Down, bring the MG down. Um, there's yeah. a few flying around um, up here, though. It's, it's not bad. I mean, it's 44,000. It's... Um, 
Wow. Still, still too pricey for what it is. Um, but look, it's getting down there. And um, we just drove it down from Brisbane the other day. Um, no problem with range. We did a bit of a detour, came through some of the um, the mountain ranges and stuff like that, up and down, circled around looking for a bit of a, um, a filming spot. So we went up and down the hills and back again and stuff like that. So um, And got here with um, still 35%. That's a, that was about 180K, had 35% left. and um, That'll do most people. I think that'll do most people. Oh, I think that'll be fine. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So that's great. Now you got you got a couple of items of um, of EV news, and and oh, I'm going to sort of um, trump you on this one. The RACQ getting EV oh, charges on I their tow trucks you. isn't that wonderful? I thought of you when I saw that because I thought that's in your part of the in the world, and you know you can just recklessly charge around with EVs now and try and drain their batteries to see how their range is, and a, a tow truck's going to come and charge you up. Well, it depends where you are. You might have to wait a little bit, but um, and you have to be in Queensland. But um, hopefully, all the other motoring organisations are doing the same thing. I know, great story. Just fitting. I think there's only four or five of them so far, but the RACQ, good on them, uh, putting some charging facilities on board to tow trucks now, um, in in acknowledgement of the fact that electric vehicles are slowly but surely starting to grow. So that's great. Good, simple thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and it beats just sort of hanging up there, sort of with your thumb out in a jerry can to being taken in and splashing bloody stuff all around the place. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's right. right. You might as well just sit down, listen to a, your favourite podcast, and just wait for the tow truck to arrive with the charger. <laughs> and listen, just to close off today, I just want to give a shout out to uh, a really lovely guy over in New Zealand, of all places, a guy by the name of Sam Baker. Uh, he's a YouTuber. Um, but interestingly, Sam actually used to work at Zero Motorcycles, Giles. He's um, a bit of an electric motorcycle fan. Uh, and he started a little YouTube channel a couple of years back now called New Zero Land. And it was all about his adventures of being this sort of weird solo guy over in New Zealand with a Zero. And, you know, what it was like owning an electric motorcycle and, and trying to get around and... And lo and behold, over the last couple of years, New Zealand's exploded with electric vehicle charging uh, facilities. Um, he's upgraded his bike a couple of times. There are now other riders there, and New Zealand's got this really nice little quirk that allows them to bring secondhand vehicles in out of the US. So there's quite a little secondhand market for electric motorcycles coming in direct out of the US, uh, much, much easier than it is here in Australia. So Sam's upgraded, and now he's got a much better, more exotic, the Energica, in fact, which I've talked about a couple of times. But what's really interesting is he he not only puts these really fun and thought-provoking and fascinating uh, YouTube videos together, and he's he's got a really interesting take on it, but he's really diving into where the technology is going. And, you know, do we need bigger batteries? Actually, you know what? If the charging infrastructure is in place, we don't need bigger batteries. We oh. don't need a bike that weighs... 280 or 290 kilos with a huge battery in it if there's sufficient charging infrastructure. And, and I just want to encourage anyone who's interested in electric motorcycling to jump onto uh, New Zero Land, uh, subscribe and follow Sam, buy one of his stickers or his T-shirts to, to help him keep going. Terrifically entertaining and always insightful. So, you know, it's great to see people like that out there um, kind of living... Uh, sharing their lived experience of what it's like as this technology evolves so quickly around us. 
Absolutely. Look, I'll, I'll have a look at that. And um, just a reminder that the most important bit of charging infrastructure is actually the PowerPoint at your home, because if you just, um, most of us, <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. Most, most of us just go for 30 or 40 kilometre trips and you come back, you sort of plug it in and um, in a couple of hours it's all charged up again. You know? That's right. Uh, second, so... second only to beer gardens. Beer gardens are my favourite. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Low alcohol beer, of course. Nigel, it's been a pleasure once again. We should thank our sponsors, um, Solar Analytics, SunWiz and Clenergy, and all our listeners. Look forward to your feedback. Um, I hope we haven't upset you or amused you too much today. And, um, well, I hope the latter, actually. And um, Nigel, we'll be back in a fortnight. Look forward to it, John. Bye now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. With pro setup, training and assistance, run your business at maximum velocity. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, developers of smart solar software you can trust for homes, businesses and solar retailers right here in Australia. Get more from your solar. Visit solaranalytics.com.au.